Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Exactly six months apart, two different shooters went into American synagogues during services with an attempt to kill Jews. The Pittsburgh shooting on October 27, 2018, claimed 11 lives, the worst act of anti-Semitic violence in North American history. The Poway shooting, Poway, California shooting on April 27th, 2019, the last day of Passover in this year, claimed one, a woman named Lori Gilbert Kay, who threw herself in front of the synagogue's rabbi to save his life. The attackers in both cases had something in common beyond hatred for Jews. They were motivated by a very specific kind of anti-Semitic ideology, one focused on a fictional Jewish plot to destroy North America by encouraging non-white immigration. Like the marchers in Charlottesville, Virginia, who chanted, Jews will not replace us, they believe that Jews are masterminding a plot to undermine white supremacy in North America by bringing in literal boatloads of non-white immigrants. This particular brand of anti-Semitism is both old and new, and it is noticed both in the United States and in Canada. It's old in the sense that anti-Semites, including the long-reviled Adolf Hitler, have long cast non-white immigration to Western countries as a Jewish plot against the white race, regardless of the fact that 90% of the Jews in the world are of the Caucasian race. It's new in the sense that it flourishes and spreads on the internet, encouraging violence in a terrifyingly unpredictable fashion. It's also new in the sense that it's part of a broader rise in anti-Semitism in the United States since the election of Donald Trump as president of the United States. Newly released data from the Anti-Defamation League, known as the ADL, shows that in 2017 and 2018 were the highest number of anti-Semitic incidents in nearly 40 years of collecting data. An increase, experts say, is at at least partially linked to the demonization of immigrants and famous Jews like George Soros, who advocate on behalf of the immigrants. Deborah Lipstitt, a historian of anti-Semitism at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, writes, We now have the leader of the largest free country in the world, who speaks about hordes and swarms and all sorts of other things about immigrants. She continues, This stuff has been around for a long time, but now significant barriers that had impeded the public conversation of this are down, and people feel like they can say it and they can do things. 
Now, this is not to say that anti-Semitism is an exclusive province of the right. Left-wing anti-Semitism is a real thing, even in the United States and Canada. But the kind of anti-Semitism that inspired two mass casualty attacks in synagogues to date is in fact principally a right-wing phenomena. It does not arise out of Israel-Palestine grievances, as left-wing anti-Semitism often does, but rather from distinctly right-wing forms of xenophobia and racial grievances. While both kinds of anti-Semitism raise the anxiety level of Jews in North America, it's the right-wing variant that has actually taken lives. In the wake of the attack in Poway, California, some conservative commentators have focused their critique on the left, a move that at once analytically inaccurate and morally misguided. This new right-wing anti-Semitism poses a dangerous threat to the North American Jewish community, one that I have noticed causes great anxiety amongst Jews in Canada, and I know from reading causes extreme anxiety amongst Jews south of the border. Anti-Semitism is not new, though. Anti-Semitism is ancient. Deborah Lipstadt, the historian from Emory that I quoted earlier, writes that um, the Western variant of anti-Semitism dates back to the foundation of Christianity, specifically the early church's idea that Jews were responsible for Jesus' death. Over the course of time, it has taken on a variety of guises. In the 12th and 13th century of England, Jews were blamed for several murders of young children, an early version of the blood libel that eventually common European theory that Jews kill young Christians and use their blood to make Passover matzah. The rise of scientific racism in the 19th and 20th century cemented the idea that Jews were a race, not a religion, poisoning Western society by intermarrying with non-Jews and diluting their stock. The cross between any of the three European races and a Jew is a Jew, as infamous American or scientific racist Madison Grant once wrote. These two examples show how anti-Semitism tends to adapt to its time and mutating to fit whatever prominent political controversies and fault lines there are. Two of those major fault lines today are immigration and multiculturalism, which know no national boundaries. The man who attacked the Pittsburgh synagogue last October posted a short message on the far-right microblogging platform Gab explaining his motivation. He singled out the work of Hyas, uh, known in Canada as Jaius, a Jewish nonprofit that has recently focused on bringing in refugees from places like Syria and Afghanistan as motivation for attacking a synagogue. Jaius likes to bring invaders in that kill our people, he wrote. I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. A quote, 
from his platform statement. The Poway shooter distributed a lengthy manifesto to the virtual, virulently anti-Semitic troll web forum 8chan with similar themes. His diatribe is full of anti-Semitic grievances with a surprisingly large number of references to classically Christian versions of anti-Semitism, like the collective Jewish responsibility for the death of Jesus. But in the sections where he explains why he decided to target a synagogue specifically, he focuses on the same core idea as the Pittsburgh shooter, whom he repeatedly praises in the manifesto, the notion of Jews using non-whites as weapons in their war on whites. He writes, every Jew is responsible for the meticulously planned genocide of the European race. They act as a unit. And every Jew plays his part to enslave the other races around him, whether consciously or unconsciously, he continues. Latinos and blacks are useful puppets for the Jew in terms of replacing whites. This kind of language and these kind of manifestos create unbelievable anxiety amongst your Jewish neighbors. We are at a time of year when Jews remember the events of the Shoah, the Nazi um, plan to exterminate the Jews of Europe, and each and every incident like Pittsburgh and like Poway reinforces the notion that in spite of our successful integration into Canadian and American society, despite our success as an economic and academic part of these communities, there are a group of people who see us, who see Jews not in a religious perspective, but in a racial perspective, who challenges the hegemony, the authority of a particular definition of white Christian North America. This variant on the Jewish puppet Master trope is not novel. Hitler saw interwar African migration to France as a Jewish plot against the French. Some Southern segregationists believe blacks too intellectually limited to lead the civil rights movement posited Jews as the true masterminds. Therefore, it was the Jews who really were out to undermine the authority of Southern American whites. But the fact of mass non-immigration, non-white immigration to the West, which intensified significantly after World War II, has turned fears of a so-called, and I quote, white genocide, end of quote, into the number one concern of far-right political movements. Today's fringe right is obsessed with the idea that whites are being destroyed by demography, that white countries are being colonized by the force of non-white breeding and immigration. What originally began as a conflict between two religious ideologies is now turned into a racial conflict. The term white genocide is, as Jane Coaston notes, the single most popular hashtag used by white nationalists on Twitter. So 
anti-Semitism, long a central part of the fringe right, adopted to fit this particular obsession with immigration and demographics. Modern right-wing anti-Semitism takes the idea of the Nazi Socialist Party and segregationists and uses them as a master explanation for why Western political systems are allowing white genesis to take place. You see this uh, most powerfully expressed in the marches of the Charlottesville white nationalists who chanted, Jews will not replace us as they walked by the synagogue in Charlottesville. With me this morning to discuss anti-Semitism in Canada and the response of the Canadian Jewish community to the events in Poway and the anti-Semitic cartoon that was published in the international edition of the New York Times is Martin Sampson. Martin Sampson is the Vice President of Communications at CJA. CJA is the advocacy agent of Canada's Jewish Federation and is mandated to advance public issues that are important to Canada's organized Jewish community. Uh, Martin, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you, Rabbi. It's uh, lovely to be back. Nice to hear your voice. Well, it's uh, thank you for taking the time to talk about these important issues. Um, so let's begin by talking about the recently um, released reports that suggest anti-Semitic um, incidents are on the rise in Canada in both 2017 and 2018. Um, what's your take on that? So, according to Statistics Canada, the Jewish community remains the most frequently targeted religious minority uh, for hate crime. Uh, if you look carefully at the Statistics Canada data, you will see that on average, um, an anti-Semitic hate crime takes place about every 24 hours in this country. That is troubling. Uh, that's obviously troubling to the Jewish community. Uh, and, but it should also be deeply, deeply troubling to uh, the non-Jewish community as well, because what we know about anti-Semitism, which is called the world's oldest hatred for a reason, um, is that it is an excellent predictor of or indicator of the health of a society. So where anti-Semitism is allowed to flourish, chaos soon follows. And so all Canadians of goodwill, whether they be Jewish or not, um, faithful or not, should be deeply concerned about anti-Semitism. So now, if you're suggesting that the rise in anti-Semitic events should not only cause anxiety in the hearts and souls of the Canadian Jewish community, but also in the general population, because it's a harbinger, as you say, of what potentially arises. Exactly correct. All people of goodwill who care about everything we deeply value in Canada should be um, troubled by the rise in anti-Semitism globally uh, and, of course, here domestically within our own borders. Um, now, I do want to qualify something. Um, Canada is the best country in the world, in my strong and considered opinion, uh, in which to be Jewish uh, or in which to be any minority for that matter. The Statistics Canada data that we track is indeed troubling. It has shown an increase, 
But when you look at it as a proportion of overall crime, it is relatively small. And then when you further look at the nature of the anti-Semitic crimes, uh, the vast majority of them are not violent. Um, that doesn't mean they're okay. One hate crime is one hate crime too many. But we have to put this in perspective. In Canada, we are very, very fortunate. Um, they're not as fortunate in other jurisdictions around the world, and I would point to Europe. Uh, right now, uh, it's troubling to be Jewish in Europe in a number of places, uh, you know, such as France, such as England, where uh, the Jews have made an enormous contribution to building those societies. And so to think that uh, uh, Jews in France or, or Jews in the UK are feeling uncomfortable, and reasonably so, by the way, um, it, it, should be, it should give us all pause, uh, both uh, in absolute terms, because we should care about what's going on in the world, but also because it's a good indicator of what potentially could happen here. And so my main message on, uh, on anti-Semitism to the non-Jewish community is that you should care about this. You really should, not only because it's the right thing to do and that you should play a role in protecting your Jewish brothers and sisters, but also for uh, more narrow self-serving interests. Um, if anti-Semitism is allowed to take root, chaos will follow. We have enormous historical precedent that's proving that, that has proven that time and again, and uh, we all have a role in combating it. So, um, Martin, the two shooters in Pittsburgh and in California, in Poway, um, were not responding to issues in the Middle East. They didn't seem to be what we uh, conveniently call from the left wing of the anti-Semitic world. They seemed to be from a white uh, right-wing nationalist world. Um, does your organization or those that um, you follow suggest that there's a, a growth in uh, white nationalism, either overtly or covertly in Canada, the same way commentators suggest there is south of the border in the United States? So that is an interesting and very important question. We are we remain in very, very close contact with law enforcement at all levels in Canada. When things like uh, the incident of the tragedy in Poway occur, or in Pittsburgh for that matter, we're immediately in contact with, um, with law enforcement, and they are monitoring um, all of the organized uh, hate groups. Uh, and what I can tell you is that there was no, nothing to indicate an elevated threat from those organized groups in Canada. That doesn't mean they're not there. That doesn't mean that they're, they're not present. But in this case, um, we did not see any uptick in activity that would suggest a, uh, the need to, to increase, um, uh, you know, to, I mean, we're vigilant at all times, but sure. th 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 there was an increased threat. Um, but in suggesting that, you're also alluding to the fact that while right-wing nationalist groups south of the border um, seem to be much more public in their um, pronunciations of anti-Semitism, and some have offered the opinion that's due to an uh, inadvertent or intentional permission emanating from Washington. In Canada, these groups remain somewhat sub rosa, but they do exist. They absolutely do exist. But what I will say again is that Canada is, is different to the United States. I'm not an expert on the United States. I follow it in the same way that many of my colleagues do. 
we follow it very carefully uh, and very closely in Canada. And the primary difference, I would say, is that, you know, anti-Semitism is something that's been around for a long time. It will persist. But in Canada, it remains firmly on the margins. Uh, and that is because the absolute vast majority of Canadians uh, completely reject it, um, which is very good news for the Jewish community. It's also very good for Canadians. Uh, but anti-Semitism is something that is uh, is very. I mean, if it weren't so uh, if it weren't so consequential, I would use the word interesting to to describe it uh, because it morphs and it changes. And so while uh, I said that, particularly in light of the m- most recent incidences, we did not in our communication with law enforcement suspect that there was any um, uptick in activity from organized hate groups. That does not mean that there isn't still risk from lone, uh, lone wolves, as they're called, or copycats, uh, many of whom uh, who are, are, are radicalized online. That is the case of the Christchurch shooter. That was the case of the Pittsburgh shooter, and that is proving to have been the case with the Poway shooter. Um, and so that means that our community has to remain vigilant. Vigilant means you know, doing all of the things that we, we train our community uh, organizations to do. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we remain, we remain vigilant, we remain aware, but the Jewish community uh, isn't scared. Uh, and in Canada, fortunately, uh, the Jewish community can express its Jewishness um, in a way that, uh, unfortunately, Jews around the world are, are starting to feel less comfortable doing. Um, but it is also important to note that while, of course, we track uh, white supremacists, you know, ha- hatred that comes from white supremacists, uh, anti-Semitism is one of those things that can infect people regardless of their ideology. So we see anti-Semitism on the hard left. We see it, obviously, uh, from white supremacists. We see it from the Islamist, that is, those, those, not the Muslim community, but those who believe in a political uh, brand of Islam. Um, and so, you know, anti-Semitism is, is a very interesting dynamic that requires careful attention and requires careful monitoring by groups like ours and, of course, by, by law enforcement. So I, I'm struck, as you were speaking about it, about the lone wolf. And it does appear that um, certainly the shooter in Poway, who is a relatively young man, um, is spoken about in glowing terms by his uh, teachers and his parents, um, and yet he was able to be radicalized in a very short period of time um, through his reading of the Internet. And some have suggested um, that the laws in Canada about freedom of expression on the Internet are, in this current climate, far too lenient. What's the position that your organization and that you personally take about the kind of communication that can exist on the Internet without the interruption and interference by authorities? Freedom of expression is, is something we very much value in Canada, but it is not absolute and it is not unlimited. We have long been calling at CJA for the federal government to create a national strategy to combat uh, hatred online. Uh, We're very grateful that the Justice Committee has started a study, which we believe is a good first step, um, but it is not the ultimate objective. That's the Justice Committee of Parliament. 
That's correct. That's correct. I just want to clarify for our listeners, not necessarily the Justice Committee of the Senate, which has a parallel organizational structure. You're exactly correct. So the Justice Committee of Parliament has begun a study on online hate. We recently testified at it. Uh, We made our position very clear, and our position is uh, that we would like the Government of Canada to create a national strategy that is informed by the the um, input of groups like ours, other uh, groups that represent uh, at-risk minority communities, um, as well as the social media providers, the telecom providers, policy makers, and anybody else who can contribute to reducing um, the, the, uh, the, the challenge that comes from, from, from hatred that is being expressed online. You know, one of the things that I tell people often is that the Jewish community is uh, not concerned about anti-Semitism because it is offensive uh, and hurtful, even though it is both of those things. They're concerned about it because anti-Semitism often manifests as violence against Jews. And what we are seeing is that the anti-Semitism that expressed online is now manifesting um, uh, in, a, in a troubling way in the real world. We saw that in Christchurch. Uh, I grant you that's, that's anti-Muslim sentiment, but the same idea. We saw it at Pittsburgh where the shooter there was um, posting, you know, uh, uh, prolifically uh, anti-Semitic ideas and was consuming anti-Semitic ideas online, and, and we, we saw it in Poway. Um, so there is absolutely a link between what is happening online and what is happening in the real world, and we're calling on the government of Canada to step up and do something, and they've given us an indication that they're, that they're uh, paying attention, uh, as, as indicated by the Justice Committee. I will also say that the uh, social media companies have an enormous role to play here, and I think that they're starting to take this very seriously as well. Obviously, they're not moving at a pace that we would like, um, but they, all the signals coming out of the social media companies are that they're asking the government to regulate them. So they are... They recognize uh, they, that they, recognize, they may not yeah. be able, for economic reasons, to regulate themselves, as we've seen in so many different ways. But if the government were able to find a methodology of um, interceding without um, totally denying freedom of expression, it would be helpful for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it is a delicate balance because we do value freedom of expression in this country. But as I said, it's not absolute and it can go over the line and becomes a public safety issue. Do you think, in the few minutes that are left to us, do you think that the um, current um, leadership in government, regardless of whether it's from the majority or the minority party, have done enough to condemn these kinds of anti-Semitic Acts and to reassure the Canadian Jewish population and other minorities that this kind of behavior in Canada will not be tolerated? Yes, I think that they have done enough to condemn it. Um, I would just point to the, uh, the universal reaction from the political sector after Pittsburgh uh, in this country, and in fact after Poway, but particularly after Pittsburgh. Um, uh, uh, political leaders right across the country at every level in every jurisdiction were extremely quick to come out um, and uh, stand in solidarity with the Jewish community globally and condemn this act of hatred. So their condemnation is quick, it is sincere, uh, and it is appreciated. 
But Thank we you. also need them to act. We also need them to, to do more than step. just use their position as a bully pulpit. Uh, do more than just simply to condemn. I think that right. there's real action that can be taken. And again, what we are, uh, what we have long been calling for, and are loudly calling for, is this national strategy to combat online hate. Uh, and uh, of course, um, uh, we we welcome uh, things like the adoption of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism. Uh, Holocaust Remembrance Yom HaShoah just passed, which is right. the day of remembrance for those uh, six million Jews that were murdered by the Nazis uh, during the Holocaust. So it is an appropriate uh, time to be talking about, about this again. these subjects. I'm sorry yeah. we've run out of time. I want to thank Martin Sampson of CJA for joining me today and to uh, sharing his thoughts and his learning about these troubling issues, troubling to the Jewish community, and as he so eloquently knows, should be troubling to the general population of Canada. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a podcast of this broadcast on iTunes or on the website of CHRI radio station. Shalom and have a good day. Shalom and have a good day.